crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Noctegal. I'm coming to you today from Jerusalem, Israel. Thank you very much for joining me this Sunday, November 24th. Today I would like to talk about the ongoing uh, probe against Mr. Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel. He was formally uh, indicted uh, by the Attorney General on Thursday night, which came just after uh, Blue and White leader Benny Gantz decided that he could not form a coalition government to be in power. And then we had the Attorney General come down and say that he is uh, expecting to charge uh, the Prime Minister with criminal wrongdoing in three separate cases, and one of those cases in- involves br- bribery. And what was what's interesting about all of this is the response from Mr. Netanyahu, the response from the people themselves, and uh, the the comparison, I guess you could say, to the last time that a leader uh, stepped down. Remember Ehud Olmert stepping down back in 2008. Uh, he was prime minister and he decided that he would not run as the head of Kadima uh, in the next election, deciding to bow out and deal with his the, the, the cases against him. And this was just before another case, more serious one, was going to be leveled against him. And so everyone's wondering why Netanyahu isn't doing the same thing. This is the first time that a prime minister, a sitting prime minister, has been indicted in this way. And this is going to go to trial. And yet, why is he staying in office? He came out, obviously, and said um, vehemently on, on just after the Attorney General's announcement on Thursday night that he suspects that this case against him is fraudulent. This is what he said. I deeply respect the justice system in Israel, but you have to be blind not to see that something bad is happening to police investigators and the prosecution. We're seeing an attempted coup by the police with false accusations. Later on, he said, the tainted investigation process, including inventing new crimes, has reached its apex today. It horrifies not only me, but masses of citizens in Israel and not only on the right. This tainted process raises questions among the public about the police's investigations and the prosecution. The public has lost trust in these institutions. It's a process that's taken place over many years. This is selective enforcement on steroids. It's selective enforcement just for me. Now, it is important to look at these comments and, and see whether they're true or not. And of course... I don't pretend to know all the answers of these probes and and everything that went on behind the scenes. I don't have any insider information. However, when he says here that there are masses of the citizens in Israel, not only on the right, that are tainted by, that see this tainted process, and that are wondering about whether the prosecution or the attorney general's office or the police themselves whether they were colluding behind the scenes to get to this final verdict, the verdict that we knew that they wanted back when we were the first go-round, when the elections were, uh, when we were trying to get a, a prime minister over here or a new, a new Knesset the first time rounds, during that political process, we had the attorney general come out and saying that he intended, he recommended 
that uh, the Prime Minister be be um, indicted for bribery. Why he wanted to recommend that, I guess, to let the Israeli public know that he intends to indict the Prime Minister so they can go to the ballot box informed about what he intends. And here we are again, the day after Billy Gantz uh, decides that he can't form a government and it looks like we're going to go back to another election. Here he is again, saying now, formally, that he does indict uh, the Prime Minister and that it is going to go to trial. And yet, what did the Israeli public think? Now, there was... It's, it's hard to really get at what they think. It honestly is. If you read... I don't read Hebrew so well, so I stick to the English sources, Jerusalem Post, Times of Israel, Haaretz, uh, a few others, Ynet News, uh, sometimes Eretz Sheva, uh, Israel Hayom. And most of those, most of those want Netanyahu gone. They can't understand that he's still in power. How dare he? How dare he still be prime minister after he was formally indicted, indicted by the uh, attorney general? That's what the newspapers say, and that's what the talking heads say in other countries as well, as we'll get to. But what do the Israeli public think? This was the Jerusalem Post today, this Sunday. came out with an article, and it said, More than half of Israelis think Netanyahu must resign. Okay, that's a headline. More than half of Israelis think Netanyahu must resign. (laughs) And then it will go down and just read the article here. It says, More than half of the population thinks Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu must step down after being indicted, a poll revealed. Some 56 said the charges of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust, 66%, were too much for Netanyahu to continue as head of government. 35% said he need not step down. 9% said that they didn't know, according to the Channel 13 survey. So yeah, you've got the majority of people in Israel that are saying, Mr. Netanyahu needs to step down. But 56% isn't that big. If you had... If you had a, a somebody that was convicted of bribery as your prime minister, you'd think it would be a little bit higher if there was trust in the government institutions, in the state institutions. But obviously there isn't. The article continues, if elections were to be held today, Blue and White would be the largest party of 36 feats, seats, only two more than its results in the previous election. Likud would receive 33 seats. So look at that. Even after... These results came, well, the indictment came down on Thursday night, the announcement to indict on Thursday night. There was a poll comes out, and he hasn't lost any support at all, the Prime Minister. In fact, he's actually gained a seat for Likud. One more than the previous uh, previous uh, election. So 44% of Israel right now doesn't believe that the Prime Minister of Israel needs to step down. The party has not diminished in its power, the Likud party. The prime minister himself hasn't diminished in his power. I mean, 44% is pretty good. No leader in Israel has 44% approval. And so this is just following party lines. This decision by the attorney general has not swayed the public one way or the other. Now, what does it what does it mean then? Does it mean that those that support Likud don't like the rule of law? Or is it that those, a huge portion, almost half of Israelis, feel like the process is, is, is tainted? Of course, you could say that there would be some that would back Netanyahu regardless of all the crimes that are leveled against him. But I don't think so. I don't think if there was, 
if there were charges against him like that were against Ahil Olmert, that people could understand quid, quid pro quos, where money changed hands, that type of thing, something that was obvious, something that was out in the open, that was clear, I'm sure you wouldn't get 44% of Israelis that believe that, he's never, uh, that he needs to step down. This tells us that a huge percentage of Israelis have lost trust in the judiciary, have lost trust in this, the, the system, the police department as well. This is what Haaretz wrote today in their editorial. Likudniks wake up and ditch Netanyahu. That's what they want. They, they're surprised. Netanyahu said he didn't want to step down. I can't believe that. And the public aren't outraged by this. I mean, more so. More, more than they, they are already outraged by Netanyahu. And so Haaretz is coming out and saying, well, the only way for this to go forward then is for Likud to ditch their leader. This is what it, they write here. Again, this is the editorial board at Haaretz. This is what they choose to publish. Netanyahu won't quit the political ring of his own accord, only petitions to the High Court of Justice or a change of heart among Knesset members from the ultraist or the rightist ultra-Orthodox bloc can dislodge him. But the best way to get rid of him would be for his only could party to do it. Then they write at the bottom, a prime minister charged with criminal offences, whose attention will be devoted to his legal situation rather than the country's situation, who embeds himself in the Knesset and uses it as a base for assailing state institutions, is a danger to Israel and to his party. Netanyahu was once an asset for Likud and the right, but his party colleagues uh, and his party colleagues, uh, colleagues know that the moment he was indicted, he became a liability. Now they must take action, not wait for the high court to do the job for them. And so that's what they want. That's what Haaretz wants. They want him gone. Why isn't Likud getting rid of him already? It's interesting just looking at some of the international press and how they've treated this process over the past three or four days and how they've reported Mr. Netanyahu's uh, situation. And a lot of them obviously come down and say, well, this was obviously par for the course. This is to be expected that the prime minister would be indicted on these charges because he's a wicked man. He's always been a wicked man. And I don't know how Israel is going to recover if he stays in power. And it's going to be hard enough to, to undo the damage that Netanyahu has done. This is what uh, The Guardian wrote, Simon Tistel. He said this, he said, Benjamin Netanyahu's toxic legacy will haunt Israel long after he goes. That's, that's uh, how the, 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 it's reported in The Guardian today. He starts off his piece this way. It's long been clear that Benjamin Netanyahu, Donald Trump's Middle East mini-me, will do almost anything to keep his job as Israel's Prime Minister. His resort to overtly racist, divisive tactics last week in, disp in a dispute over who will form the next government was ugly, yet unsurprising. Netanyahu's vicious brand of hard-right identity politics has become a familial blister on the face of Israel's democracy. Ah, he's the one that's tainting Israel's democracy. A bigger mystery is how Netanyahu has got away with it for so long. How, how is it that he hasn't been indicted before? How is it that we haven't got him before? That's what The Guardian writes. CNN writes this. 
Netanyahu will make his the headline is this Netanyahu will make his likely exit as painful, prolonged, and destructive as possible. And so they obviously have have shown what they think about Mr. Netanyahu and and the the fact that they believe that he needs to be gone. And this is how they conclude their their piece this way. This is CNN again. Finally, for Israel's institutions that have so far acquitted themselves admirably in this historic process, Netanyahu's departure would provide a real boost of confidence and a lesson that others should heed, that no one in a democratic polity, no matter how talented or powerful, is above the law. That's their conclusion. Kudos! Kudos to this Israel's institutions. They have acquitted themselves admirably in this historic process. Well, we'll read Carolyn Glick's column a little bit later in the program, and we'll see that they weren't so admirable in this whole process with the leaks and the forcing testimony of witnesses against Mr. Netanyahu. The whole process has been tainted to get him, and it's been going on for years. I mean, it wasn't even these, just these. I mean, you had the, the submarine saga before this as well. The left in Israel has been out to get Mr. Netanyahu for a long time. And what's interesting, I think, about this, just seeing these two, The Guardian, CNN, you can go and read New York Times, you can read uh, Washington Post, you can read anything else that is notoriously anti-Israel in its reporting, and they are rejoicing in their columns about Netanyahu's imminent or soon-coming uh, departure. They love the fact that the Attorney General is trying to boot Netanyahu from power. And so it shouldn't. It should uh, really be cause for concern for many Israelis, who, when they see these newspapers that are notoriously anti-Israel, that bash the Jewish state consistently, they are the same ones rejoicing over the decision to indict the prime minister. Should that be cause for concern for many Israelis, that you're on the same side? In this case, with CNN, with the New York Times. With The Guardian. When you start agreeing with papers such as the New York Times on Israel, on their reporting on Israel, maybe it's time to really rethink your decision-making process. Now, I would say for an English speaker here in Israel, it is quite hard to get a balanced uh, understanding of where the Israeli public is. And it's because some of the, the most proud Uh, let's say, centrist papers have all turned to the left. I remember Times of Israel, when it just started out, it just seemed to me that that was a a great resource. It's one of the most popular uh, English news sites for Israel right now. And yet, the op-eds coming out of that right now, including by, you know, plenty of people I respect greatly, they all don't see. They don't see what plenty of the public see. They see this as a straight-up-and-down case. Netanyahu needs to go. Look at the Jerusalem Post. That was once, a long time ago, a bastion for conservative views. It's got an an op-ed, an editorial, uh, not an op-ed, just an editorial, by the the, um, editor-in-chief, Yaakov Katz, and he says it's time for Bibi to go. It's time to step down. They're all jumping on board. They all love this decision. And the more that they do, the more they see see the press 
in Israel fight against Mr. Netanyahu, the more the media is exposed for their bias and the people don't believe them. The people don't believe them. We've seen this happen before. We see it in the United States right now with President Trump. You can have you can have 90% of the, the media being unfavorable towards Mr. Trump, and yet the people don't believe them. And the media elites can't understand why that they can keep publishing their uh, opinion pieces against the president there, and that the people aren't being convinced. And we see that again here. We all expected the Attorney General to come out and announce exactly what he did. His announcement fell right in line with what he had said he was going to do uh, months ago. It fell right in line with with the reporting. And this is a problem. This is a problem because it's not such an open and closed case. Anyone that tries to look into it are seeing that the Prime Minister is being charged for something that's never been charged of anyone before. It shouldn't be so obvious. But the more obvious that it is made by the Attorney General and also the media, the less faith that the public is going to have in these public institutions. There have obviously been articles in in support of the Prime Minister from, uh, from Israel Hayom, who is seen to be the the one main is Israeli news source that is pro-Netanyahu. And I would just really recommend that you read The Reign of the Prosecution. This is by Caroline Glick. And it's important to read this because it really does shake up the perception of, of what's out there amongst the Israeli public. Because, again, as I said, the media is so biased towards one side of this, that you wouldn't think that there is a huge portion of the Israeli public that don't buy it. And I think what Carolyn Glick does here is a very good job at articulating what the mass of people in Israel really think. And by mass, I'm not saying majority, but I am saying a good 44% from that J-Post or from that Channel 13 uh, uh, poll that was taken earlier. A good 44% of Israelis don't believe that the Attorney General was right in his decision. They don't. This is what she wrote in The Reign of the Prosecution. And this, this continues, obviously, what, we've been, what uh, has been reported on for a number of years now. The judicial activism of the, of the High Court and elsewhere in Israel. Of course, this isn't part of that, but it, it follows the same ilk for sure, with the Attorney General's announcement. This is what she writes. At four in the afternoon, Attorney General Avichai Mandelblit's office announced that at 7.30 in the evening, he would announce his decision to indict Netanyahu. The underlying message was crystal clear. The day after Gantz returned his mandate to form a government to President Reuven Rivlin, after he failed to get a sufficient number of coalition partners to build a government, Mandelblit said that there's no point in talking about whether or not Israel is going to new elections in March. It's because the voters don't decide anything. The lawyers do. Politicians are irrelevant. The only people who count in Israel today are the unelected attorneys who run the country. That's what she writes. And a lot of people in Israel believe her. Later on, she writes this, to the cheers of Israel's corrupt media. For the past three years, our legal overlords have gnawed away at all aspects of political power in Israel, and in the process, not that they cared, they corrupted Israel's legal system from top to bottom. 
From beginning to end, their criminal uh, persecution of Netanyahu has been a travesty of every norm in democratic societies governed by the rule of law. Carefully edited and wholly distorted recordings and transcripts of police interrogations of Netanyahu, his wife, son, and advisors were systematically leaked to the media. That's what took place. The fact that every such leak was a felony offense was no matter. Netanyahu's attorneys submitted request after request for Mandelblit to order an investigation into the criminal leaks, and all these were rejected. As the probes escalated, overseen by state prosecutor Shai Nitzen, police investigators extorted Netanyahu's closest advisers to coerce them into becoming state witnesses against the most successful and admired Prime Minister Israel has ever had. Investigators threatened Netanyahu's former spokesman, Nir Hefetz, that they would destroy his family and bankrupt him if he didn't turn on Netanyahu. They finally succeeded in breaking him after incarcerating him in a flea-infested jail cell for 15 nights, denying him sleep and medical treatment and bringing a young woman, who he knew, into an interrogation room next to him and threatened to destroy his family. That's what they did to the star witnesses in this case. And that's, that's all out there. We know about this. This out, that's out there for everybody to see that the star witnesses in this case were extorted by the police department saying that you better turn on your old boss or else, or else we'll attack your family. Then she goes on to write later on, then of course there is the substance of the charges themselves. The charge that Netanyahu accepted a bribe is based on an invent- invented notion that positive media coverage of a politician is bribery. This is of course speaking for... Um, uh, what he was, uh, case 4000, the notion that press coverage can be considered bribery exists nowhere in the democratic world. No prosecutor in the world has ever indicted or investigated a politician or media uh, organization of having committed bribery involving the provision of positive coverage. That's what's so funny about this, that apparently this bribe took place and he was meant to receive a lot of positive coverage, which shows you how biased the media is already. And that positive coverage didn't really come in any way because these deals fell through. They didn't work. And so here we have him, a prime minister, a duly elected prime minister of Israel that is having to resign, according to them, for breaking a law that doesn't exist. Israelis, many of them, see through this. Those that don't have a vendetta against Mr. Netanyahu see through this. Then it says this, but then, that is the entire point of going after Netanyahu with invented crimes. Now that Netanyahu has been charged with bribery, and incidentally, he never even received positive coverage from the media organ accused of providing it, never or every politician that gets on the lawyer's bad side will be sweating bricks at its end. Uh, any time a reporter writes something nice about him. Because they could have accepted a bribe. It could be a bribe. Why is that reporter writing something nice about a politician? There's probably something untowardly happened here. And so this could be dangerous for uh, journalists. could be dangerous for every politician going forward. Finally, she writes this. It's certainly true that the left shares the prosecutor's hatred of Netanyahu. Blue and white exists to destroy him. But all the leftist politicians in Lieberman 
who are celebrating today need to understand that the Netanyahu they love to hate is their best friend and defender today. If Netanyahu is found guilty of crimes that were invented for the purpose of destroying him, then their goose will be cooked along with his. And so if he doesn't fight for this, then they could be the at the end, at some point, they could be at the receiving end when the left decides to go after them and hunt them down using this process. Now, what is really interesting about this whole process is that it gets worse. I read that because there's probably people listening that don't like Mr. Netanyahu, that want him gone, but you need to see the perspective of the other side and how much of a sham this whole investigation looks like and how it looks like the media, the attorney general, the police department, all are working together to oust a duly elected prime minister. This is what most, a lot of Israelis fear. Now, this could get worse because we've heard in this entire process that it was impossible or that it, it can't happen that a sitting prime minister has to leave if he's indicted. But guess what's happening now? There is an official review in place of the Attorney General of these laws to see if they can forcefully remove him from power. They would have hoped that Netanyahu would have just uh, Thursday night decided, okay, I'm going to you know deal with this and see you later. But he didn't. He decided to fight the coup, as he called it, the witch hunt, as he's been calling it. And so now there has to be another process to come and find a way of removing him from power. This is from Jerusalem Post today as well. NGO to High Court force Benjamin Netanyahu to resign. That's the uh, headline. Then we've got this. The movement for the quality of government in Israel became the first to file a petition to the High Court of Justice to force Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to resign following Thursday's decision by the Attorney General Mandelblit to issue a final indictment against him for public corruption. I love the names they come up with. All these uh, supposedly centrist or general names about preserving quality of government. So you've got this non-government organization that is saying, writing to the High Court, petitioning them. The Labor Party has done as such as well. They said that they would file a petition to try and get the Attorney General to remove him from power. To see if they, he can be removed from power. Before an election, please, before the next election comes in March, he can't be sitting on the ballot box. Because why? He might just get more votes. The Israeli, Israeli public might understand by then that the left has hijacked the political process and that this whole attempt to bring him down is a farce and they'll vote for him anyway. And so now they have to find a law. They have to find a law to get him out of office, even though we've been told in this whole process that a sitting prime minister doesn't have to vacate the office. A minister does, but not a prime minister. The, the article from the Jerusalem Post continues, although the dry law of Knesset statutes only requires a prime minister to resign if convicted, and after all appeals have been exhausted, it has been expected that various groups would work would seek to force his resignation based on a decades-old jungle judge-made law requiring ministers to resign upon indictment. Okay. So there is there's no Knesset statute that requires a prime minister to step down, but we've got some judge a long time ago that required ministers to resign 
upon indictment. And then it says, the, then later on it says this, in a parallel to the High Court petition, a number of groups are trying to get Mandelblit and the state prosecution to intervene even before the High Court gets involved, hoping that the Attorney General will ask or instruct Netanyahu to resign or tell the Prime Minister that he is unfit to run for re-election. Besides the differing interpretations about whether a Prime Minister needs to resign, the law does not specifically address whether a serving Prime Minister can run for re-election once under indictment. And so that's what they've got here. They've got the law that says, oh, uh, if you're a Prime Minister, then you're indicted. You don't have to leave until you're proven guilty. That's the law, and it's a law for good reason. Good reason. So the state can't take over the duly elected uh, official. If you're a minister, you're not as important. You're not the prime minister. You have to go. Okay, so what about if we're in an election cycle? Can he run again as prime minister? Because technically, technically he's not prime minister. He's acting prime minister, I suppose. But he's not really prime minister because we would have to be going to another election. So they're trying to squeak through with this little gray area, this little loophole as they see it to try and remove him forcibly from office. This is something, if they can do this, is going to backfire. And I think it's going to backfire anyway on the left, and I think it'll backfire on the Attorney General as well. This is Times of Israel today. Top legal officials expected to rule this week on Netanyahu's political future. Wait a minute. How dare they? He hasn't been convicted of anything, and they're going to rule on his political future. Attorney General Mandelblit has formed a panel to determine whether there is any legal impediment barring Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu from forming a coalition, forming a government in the future due to the announcement of criminal charges against him. Well, of course he is. Of course he's assembled this panel to look at it, and I wonder what it's going to say. I wonder how it's going to come out. The Attorney General aims to draft and publish a legal opinion on the issue by the end of the week. The committee, composed of Mandelblit, State Attorney Shai Nitsen, Deputy Attorney Generals uh, Nizri and Zib- Zilber, will also evaluate whether Netanyahu must resign once the charges are officially lodged in court or may remain in office unless convicted and all appeals exhausted. It will also rule on whether the Prime Minister must relinquish other portfolios, which it looks like he's doing today. Other ministerial portfolios he is relinquishing because he believes that is against the law. Okay, I've been indicted, fine. The law, well, at least the previous judge's ruling said, ministers must resign, so I will resign those portfolios. And then later on in this article here in the Times of Israel, it says a report in the Globe's newspaper Thursday evening said State Attorney Nitsen believes Netanyahu cannot begin a new term with the charges hanging over him. The Ynet News site on Friday reported that Mandelblit was inclined to agree. Of course they would. Of course they would. He didn't resign of his own uh, volition, and so now they're going to find another law or interpret the law as they see fit to remove him from power. So not only is he being indicted on a law that doesn't exist, he could be removed from power via law that doesn't exist. Then later it says this, though the law technically allows a prime minister to remain in power so long as a final court ruling convicting him has not been given, that law has never actually been tested before. As Netanyahu is the first leader in Israel's uh, history to face a criminal charge while in office, the courts will likely be compelled to debate the issue. Okay, so it was clear before. Now it's not. 
It's never been tested before, so we need to test this law. Well, it looks like it was pretty clear, technically, they say. A law technically allows a prime minister to remain in power. And so why not just rely on that? That's something that the Israeli public can understand. The law says a prime minister can remain in power. And so if if they go through this process and the eternal attorney general decides that he has the power to go to Netanyahu and say, I'm sorry, but you can't run for prime minister. Can you imagine what will happen if the attorney general tries to do that and remove him? I think that if they try and do that, it could blow back on them, especially at election time when they see that the public will still vote him into office. And what's more, they'll be exposed. They'll be exposed as the deep state that they are, the Israeli deep state. Now, looking forward, I mean, I don't know how exactly this is all going to go. Nobody does. Um, we're, we're pretty certain of how the Attorney General is going to rule and time and time and time again. He's been very consistent in his rulings. And the High Court, we'll see what happens if it actually gets to them as well. But I think it doesn't really matter how they rule. The divisions that Israel faces right now are not going away if he steps down or if he stays in power. If he steps down, you're going to have almost 44% of the country that are upset by it. The other part will be happy by it. If he stays in power, you're going to have half the country that's upset by it. And then the other part that's happy with it. These divisions are greater than Netanyahu, and I don't know if if Israel has, has fully realized this. This is what uh, Jonathan Tobin, he wrote for the Jewish News Service on November 21st. He says this, Whatever you think of the conduct of either man, speaking of Trump or Mr. Netanyahu, uh, whatever you think of the conduct of either man, both impeachment and the indictment seem more like efforts to influence or supersede the political process by legal means than a quest for justice. Indeed, it's difficult, if not impossible, to assert that the attempts to depose them are completely unrelated to politics. So long as efforts are not backed by a broad consensus that crosses party lines, rather than only by those who are happy to see Netanyahu and Trump taken down by any means, be it political or legal, both processes will be tainted and viewed as political exercises. Whatever the ultimate outcome of either impeachment or the Netanyahu charges, the warring camps will never accept an outcome that goes against them. And that's the tragedy for democracy in the United States and Israel. So it's not that Mr. Netanyahu has destroyed the democratic process in Israel. It's that you have such bitter divisions within the nation and you have political bias by the deep state on one side, by the media that are in that, by the left wing that are in that. And then you have the conservative side that's aware of all these nefarious acts in the background that are trying to take them down. And you have the people largely split down the middle in Israel United States, and how do we recover from this? How do we recover from these divisions? Well, really, it looks like they can't be recovered from. In our latest issue of the Watch Jerusalem magazine that just went to print, and you should be receiving your copies soon if you are signed up for the magazine, it'll be online uh, shortly as well. 
We have an article in there by Warren Reinch entitled The Danger in Division, and it looks at the first Jewish revolt back there before the Romans took over Jerusalem in 70 CE. And it goes through the divisions that existed inside the nation itself back then amongst the Jews. As they were being besieged, more of the Jews killed each other than were killed by the Romans. They were upset, they were besieged, and they turned on each other for political gain or other, other, other reasons. And we look at, in this article, he looks at the situation involving Mr. Netanyahu and the judiciary and the attorney general and even just the, the left-wing media bias in this country and asks about where it's going to lead. Where can it lead? Now, it is interesting at the same time that you have this going on internally. You have Iran's threat on Israel growing Israel being virtually surrounded in Gaza and Lebanon and Syria, Iraq, down in Yemen even, the waters of the Red Sea. And it's often been said that, well, yes, in Israel, we disagree with each other all the time. We always have different opinions. And our political process has always been uh, kind of disjointed and a bunch of parties together and you have to form coalitions. And that's great. That's Israeli democracy. But when it comes to a time of war, then we all put down our political differences and we come together. And we come together as a nation. Now, they probably said that back in 70, in 69, 68 CE as well, back in uh, the times when the Romans were coming. And yet, faced with the mighty Roman Empire surrounding the nation, the Jews turned on themselves. Warren Reinch finishes his article this way. He says this, It wasn't the Romans who destroyed Jerusalem in the first century. As Josephus wrote, Sedition destroyed the city, and the Romans destroyed the sedition. The Jews weakened themselves by division and infighting. The lesson of the Jewish revolt is this, that division causes destruction. Israel today has no shortage of hostile foreign forces seeking to destroy it. Right now, Israel is strong militarily. It also has a good friend in the White House, which helps enormously. But how long will this last? Even the strongest military in the world can be rendered ineffective by political failure and internal disunity. Israel cannot afford to be divided. Yet deadly division is creeping into Israel's politics, culture, and society. If something is not done to heal the rift, history shows how bad it will end. Roughly 2,600 years ago, The prophet Amos asked, can two walk together except they be agreed? Today, we ask a similar question. Can a nation continue except it be united? Now, that's something definitely that we need to consider facing this political situation um, with the prime minister and his indictment. And it looks like he's going to be attempted to be forcefully removed from power. Are these divisions... Uh, or can these divisions be healed? I really do recommend that you read this whole article, looking back at the historic precedent that happened before, uh, 2,000 years ago, to this city, people in this city, same as today. It's entitled The Danger of Division by Warren Reich. It'll be available online. It's online at watchjerusalem.co.il. It'll also be available in the show notes of today's program. So please avail yourself of that. That's all I have time for today. I will update you on this process as we go forward. You can look for for new articles and watch Jerusalem about this subject uh, as we go forward also. If you would like to send some comments in regarding the program, please feel free to do so 
by writing your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.